I'm Bridget Owens, and you're listening to the Waxing Soul Podcast, where we're adventuring into the world of mindful modern magic and authentic spiritual practice. It's May 19th, 2022, and today's topic is spiritual communities, which are centered around common spiritual interests. Are you ready to grow your soul? Welcome back to my series on spiritual community. Uh, if you, and if you haven't listened to last week's episode, that kind of putting all of this in context, I encourage you to go listen to that because I really want to jump right in on these subsequent episodes in the series and and not spend time recapping the context. And we're going to spend this in the next five episodes going one by one through the types of community as enumerated by someone called somebody named Richard Millington, who I'm not actually familiar with, Um, but I think he's a business type guy. Not super important, but he created this list to talk about community in terms of like social media communities, online communities. But I do think it's a pretty comprehensive list and I'm only adding one extra to it. I'm splitting one category into two pieces because I think shared history or culture and shared proximity are both communities brought together by shared geographical boundaries, but in different ways, like separated by time essentially. Anyway, um, I want to start with communities bound by common interest, because especially in the witchy, magical, pagan, and adjacent contexts, that tends to be the way that we each begin going about finding our spiritual communities. Of course, our spiritual practices and belief systems are not just special interests, but, but shared interest is part of them. You know, for a lot of human history, spirituality and religion were something tied to culture, to location, kind of given to us as a part of our cultural identity or ethnic identity. And that's the case to some extent today, since most of us are born into a spiritual tradition of some kind. But because part of the nature of modern spirituality is, you know, framing it as something that we choose, an option that we have, for a lot of us, when we leave our spiritual tradition of origin, we become led by our spiritual interests. Now, one of the things I want to really focus on in this series is how to find community, because that's a huge struggle. And since there's sometimes aren't large communities, you know, waiting for us to find, which actually, you know, function as healthy communities, um, what I want to do is kind of describe what each kind of community looks like, how it functions. So even if you can only find a few others to form a community with, you can find the most supportive and spiritually beneficial form of community for this. Instead of getting stuck trying to get those benefits from a group that isn't ever going to be that for you. So first of all, you know, what benefits are we seeking out when we're looking for a community of shared spiritual interest? And at the root of it, we want some validation and encouragement, right? Like we want to be part of a community of like-minded people who will recognize us as like-minded as well. Like people we can share our enthusiasm with and who will return that enthusiasm. Because there are a few things more isolating than sharing something that's of deep interest to us and to have it ridiculed or judged, right? So in terms of spirituality, we often are choosing a new direction. We found a direction which is maybe very different from what we've gone in before. 
And therefore we look for a new, you know, a community of others who share that direction because following a new interest can actually separate us from communities that we've been a part of before. And like, even if that's not really the path we're on, I think the the reason most of us go looking for spiritual community around whatever interests we have is because we don't find it around us, right? Our spiritual interests, the things that we're interested in learning and pursuing and practicing and exploring are just not, for whatever reason, something which resonates with others around us. Maybe we're even kind of afraid to be public about that with people we do know. So we're seeking some kind of validation and acceptance, which isn't there for us otherwise. We're looking for a level of of safety from things like ridicule, rejection, othering, that kind of thing. Particularly around those things that we find ourselves really drawn to. And the big challenge in finding real community around common interest is that too often what we find is kind of a competitive culture of expertise and gatekeeping which I do think for the sake of, I mean, everyone, it, it's necessary to really define what gatekeeping is <laughs> because I see a lot of people cry gatekeeping anytime someone suggests that part of their behavior or practice or whatever might be problematic. Um, but gatekeeping is more like, gatekeeping is what happens when there's an effort to control the composition of a group by keeping certain people out with criteria designed to exclude the unwanted. You know, like a door guy at a club not letting people in because of a dress code. Like, it's what happens when, like, when people in a witchcraft community withhold that acceptance and validation and and safety to express interest and enthusiasm, you know, withhold that as a way to leverage their superior position or to be elitist or to be racist or sexist or whatever flavor of phobic. It's what happens when, like long-time practitioners criticize and exclude new practitioners or when some people make a big deal about real quote-unquote versus fake quote-unquote witches that sort of thing so the thing about interest-based spiritual spiritual communities is that they really have to be by nature loosely defined to function well no like hierarchy no formal boundaries based on sharing of ideas and thoughts and bonds which exist based on shared emotional reaction more than anything else because the safety aspect of this community that support aspect it has to be one that allows us to follow our interest and our muse wherever it leads us and for our interest to be a bit different in the ways that it needs to be, whether, you know, where we're not afraid to be new, not afraid to have unusual ideas, not afraid to ask questions, even if those questions are ones not everyone in the community is comfortable asking or answering, which has a lot of implications, especially when it comes to the roles that we play and what the relationships are like within the community. Year two of the Waxing Soul podcast is all about ideas in action. Join my mailing list at bridgetowens.com slash podcast for a weekly self-growth challenge plus all the latest news and more fun stuff. Now back to the episode. It's important, I think, to talk about the fact that there is a difference between joining a group and becoming part of a community. Like, a group might be a community, 
but not all groups really become communities in function for us, right? And it's a lot like, I joined a sorority in college. It's a lifelong membership situation. It was definitely the most like nurturing and supportive community I was part of in college. Like those were very much my sisters. They were my support system. We shared very strong bonds, all of that. Now though, it's not, you know, like I'm still friends with my sorority sisters. Um, I have individual relationships with them as individuals, but they aren't really a community I belong to anymore. It's a group I'm still part of, but it's not a community to me now. And that's important to distinguish because when I talk about see, seeking out, you know, interest-based communities in a spiritual sense, that's probably not going to look like finding some kind of formal group to belong to. There may be groups that exist as subsets of larger community that you want to be part of. But I think what's really important for us to find as a spiritual community is more like, you know, for lack of a better example, it's like becoming part of a fandom. And the thing is, when it comes to loosely defined, not formally structured communities like this, whether that community or parts of the community actually function as supportive spaces or become toxic depends entirely on energetics and spiritual connections within the group, which is you know, another really important thing to remember about groups versus communities is that being part of a group often requires less of us in terms of mutual commitment, mutual aid than a community does. Like people often join groups based on what they'll get out of that membership. It's an exchange like, like paying dues in order to get benefits. But being part of a community isn't transactional, it's relational. The bond is rooted in commonality and shared characteristics. And too often, because we live in such an individualistic society, we treat community membership like group membership. Like that commonality we share is the dues we pay in to get the benefits of belonging. But it's community is relational, it's spiritual in nature, and it asks that the entire community contribute and play a role within the community because of commitment to the community as a whole. Commonality alone doesn't hold the community together, and it doesn't define the nature of the bond. An interest-based community will only be supportive and offer safety around our passions, interests, exploration, etc., as long as most of the members are supportive in that way in general. These communities are only healthy and open and functional if, generally speaking, everyone holds space for each other. And this is, I really think fandoms are the best example of this kind of community because we all know of fandoms which are really welcoming, really good energy, fun to be part of, you know? And then there are those that we know are toxic where certain types of people are made to feel unwelcome or pushed out, bullied, that kind of thing, right? Every community has a set of values. And in this case, they're usually pretty informal, kind of they sort of arise organically based on overall trends of like what brings the community together and what other commonalities might come into play. Toxic fandom communities have values. It's just that those values are exclusionary. They're centered around things like loyalty to certain figures or holding certain opinions or fitting into certain boundaries, conformity, etc. Healthy communities are more likely to value stuff like collaboration or openness or caring for others. So when we're looking for an interest-based spiritual community, we're looking for others who share our passions, 
share our enthusiasm about things, and who will encourage that enthusiasm, whose values as a community match our own. And when we find that community, the natural thing is to want to help perpetuate it, to con- you know, contribute to making it better. Now, this kind of community isn't usually the thing, you know, the kind with the closest and most intimate relationships. You know, maybe it, it overlaps with other kinds of community. So there's some commonality of practice or commonality of purpose or history or whatever that contributes to that. But these can absolutely be just virtual communities where relationships within that community are nearly anonymous. But where the exchange is really based in the free circulation of ideas and thoughts and shared enjoyment. And this can be a small group, but it's going to be a pretty informal one. And this is actually what the meetup group that I organize is like. It doesn't have a strong, consistent core membership. I organize it in terms of like making sure that we have a place to gather and doing the background work that needs to be done to, to let people know how and where to find us. And what's going on but there's no requirements to being a member people come and go from the group the attendees guide the discussion topics there's no agenda it's really centered around being that place where the curious can come and connect with others who have shared interest in paganism and the occult and if deeper relationships come out of that awesome which is not what everyone is looking for in a spiritual group it's not everyone's cup of tea And shared interest communities aren't something every human really needs. Or it might be a need that comes and goes, you know, that's situational. And in a minute, I do want to talk about how groups like this come to be and what dynamics are at play as they exist and evolve. If you love the waxing soul, connect with me online. BridgetOwens.com is the central hub for all my projects, including books, card decks, and resources. Go there to get my latest book, Deep Self Magic, to connect as a potential podcast guest, and to find out all the latest news. Also, find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Bridget Owens Magic, and on Twitter as Waxing Soul. I've talked a lot about this meetup group that I organize, and I think it's a really good example for what like the dynamics tend to be like in an interest-based community. Because the biggest thing I've learned over my tenure as organizer, and and when I was just an attendee, is that it isn't the type of group everyone needs. And even when it is, it's not the type of group some people need for long periods of time. And part of that is because, you know, with the way that we've kind of been programmed to exist in Western society, the individualism and all that, one of the ways we try to mitigate our lack of community and our lack of deep connection to a sort of a larger source of identity is to seek out individual or small group relationships, which are then expected to carry the entire weight of what we would be getting from far more people in community. So when we seek out interest-based community connections, when we find them, especially when we've, if we've struggled to find even that kind of community and deep down don't really want to have to search that hard for all the other stuff we're not finding because we don't have the right support and connection around us, you know, we try to make the interest-based relationships, the interest-based community, also fill in for as many other types of community as possible. You know, if you like what I like, surely we also share common goals and common practices and common ways of seeing the world and all of that, right? 
like we like the same things, so we should be able to just roll all of our need for connection up into this, you know, one relationship and call it a day. So in the case of the meetup group, which really is an open, informal, interest-based community, which explicitly does not check most of the other boxes, right? It's not one where we practice together. We tell people that because, you know, we all come from very different beliefs and backgrounds. So it's just not a commonality we share. It's not a group where we all have the same goal, unless that goal is to find an informal group of people interested in socially chatting about magic and paganism. Like, we don't have a cause we work towards. We're not trying to build anything or accomplish anything. Just chat. And we're not a group which comes from or shares a common background. We sort of share common geography, some of the same circumstances and, you know, sort of broad generalities. But again, we aren't a group focused on doing anything about that. It really is just an informal swapping of ideas and stories kind of group. And we are very upfront about that. So we do have lots of people who come hoping that they are going to find a coven or, you know, to practice with or a mentor to work with or instruction on a specific type of practice or, you know, others to work towards creating those things. And if those are the things they want most, if those are the things they need most, they don't stay. Sometimes they find others who also do want those things and they go off together to accomplish that stuff, to form those relationships and start those communities, which is great. And we have people who really need the support of a, a common interest group for a while before the, you know, that time passes and their needs shift and they find a different community to support them in a different way. And all of that is natural to this kind of community. Communities of people based on common interest really start to crumble and not function well as soon as they try to become formal and defined. Like the relationship between those in the community and those outside the community really has to exist without a closed boundary. Because as soon as there is an attempt to define how much and exactly what sort of interest qualifies someone to exist within the community, it is then trying to become a different type of community and the function changes, the dynamic changes. And the things which allow that kind of community to support members in their exploration and enthusiasm and to you know, su support the flow of spirit and ideas and all of that through the community, all those things die when the walls go up. You know, if, if I have to prove how much I know about something, how valid or real of an enthusiast I am, then interest is no longer the basis of that relationship. Which means there's not homogeneity within it. There will be conflict. There will be sub-communities and splinter communities. There will be change over time in what's important and what's not within the community. All of that is necessary and good and healthy for this kind of community. And this type of community is low obligation. It's, it's a low obligation, high freedom, open door kind of community. And it's a really valuable one to learn to be part of. Being in this kind of community isn't just about us being supported as individuals in our interest, you know, in following where that leads us and being able to grow as an individual with the support of others who are like us. That, that's what draws us to community in this case. It's what we're looking to get out of it. But if we treat these communities like a resource for filling that spiritual need for us, 
the community dies. If we push people away who are seeking that because we don't want them included, that's cutting off the flow of energy into the community. And it's that contribution, spiritually, emotionally, energetically, to this, the, the conglomeration of interest in this common thing, which, like, it beca- basically becomes something of maybe even an egregore, which continues to exist and evolve as the community does. Like, it's a spiritual investment, which does play out in relationships within the community, but not one which requires us to be in significantly close relationship with other people. Because the defining relationship is with that central piece, with the egregore, if that makes sense. And I guess if there was one point I want everyone to take away from this episode, it's that one of the ways we really struggle with lack of community is how we often lack just that basic feeling that we're not alone. That we can express our interests and passions and follow our muses and curiosities and engage on a spiritual level without detrimental consequences. Community offers the kind of safety and security that we lack in individualism. And communities based on common interest provide spiritual safety and security because they mean that we're not alone in processing the thoughts and ideas and the feelings that that drive us. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes of The Waxing Soul drop every Thursday. All materials and resources except the music are copyright Bridget Owens. Many thanks to my readers, listeners, friends, mentors, inspirations, and my family for riding with me into season two. And until next week, blessed be and be good to yourself.